DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Chris DePasso. Now, he writes about the NFL draft for CBS Sports. And Chris, good morning. Thanks for having me, DJ. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Now, the NFL draft, that is a very specific area of expertise, but I think based on the Ute, Cougar, and Aggie fans here, in fact, we don't have an NFL team, it still resonates pretty well. But I think first sure. thing, before we get to the players, I want to talk to you about the draft itself. We know it was supposed mm-hmm. to be part of the Raiders coming out party, a big Vegas event like only Vegas can do. I think a lot of people here are curious. The Broncos are the most popular team. The Niners are probably second. Are the Raiders going to crack that here? An event like this might have helped. And, of course, winning always helps. It's not going to be that show. What is it going to be? Do you think it's going to happen on time? And if so, what does it look like? I think it still will happen on April 23rd through the 25th. Um, And I'm not saying that the NFL is is taking advantage of this pretty bad situation in the country. But the opportunity is there for the NFL uh, multi-billion dollar per season entity to put on a great digital NFL draft. And I think there's still going to be the normal crew um, on set. Maybe there could be a few more people working from home like a Daniel Jeremiah or some of the other analysts. They're probably going to have war room cameras across the entire league. They usually have it in about half or two thirds of of the league, but I think in the modern day and in 2020, we can have an event like this that is that we tap into Skype, we tap into video conferencing abilities, and just um, being able to show everything on television. So I think the ratings are going to be big, and I truly believe that at, at that point, in about a month, we're all going to be so desperate for some type of live sporting event. Obviously, not a game, but beyond the Super Bowl, it's the second biggest event in the NFL season in terms of ratings every year. Uh, I think it's going to have gigantic ratings and it will ultimately go pretty smoothly. Certainly different from what we're accustomed to, especially over the last decade where it's bounced around to different cities. Uh, But I think everything's going to run smoothly and we're all just going to be really happy. I'm certainly going to be as an NFL draft analyst that we have this draft on time, even though it will be in a studio and more of a digital setting that we've ever seen. Yeah, I'm really going to miss it when Giants fans and Jets fans boo their picks. That'll be the one thing yeah. we won't have. But, you know, <laughs> we'll just have to adapt, right? That seems like a small yep. thing based on everything else that's going on. All right, let's get to the local guys. Obviously, uh, the Utes have a huge senior class headed for the pros. A lot of NFL dreams there. Some guys will be drafted. Others will try to make it as a free agent. They've also obviously got a junior uh, who's making a run at it who should go pretty quickly. How many guys do you think will be drafted off the Utes and how many will uh, still end up in camps and, and be free agents with a realistic shot of making it? What are the numbers there? Well, I think probably two definitely uh, with Jordan Love and Tipa Galea will definitely be picked. Um, and the more that I've watched Jordan Love, just to kind of talk about him as, as the headliner from that program, the more I watched him and, and got to more of his film during this pre-draft process, the more I liked. And I, I don't think I've done a radio spot or been on a podcast or written anything about Jordan Love without mentioning the Patrick Mahomes comparison. And that's not to say that I think he is the next Patrick Mahomes. That's how most people feel about him. Um, But stylistically, he's very similar. And I think the NFL has seen how the Chiefs handled Patrick Mahomes that could make all these wild and crazy throws outside the pocket, 
off-platform, not with the best uh, base underneath him, and still pull them off. Yes, there were some accuracy concerns. There were some decision-making concerns, but they put him in a situation that was very familiar to him. They didn't have him play right away. I think the team that ultimately drafts Jordan Love um, will try to put him in a similar situation that they won't say you need to start week one and we're going to have you under center doing seven step drops. They're going to let him kind of be this free wild quarterback out there that yes, it can lead to some bad plays, but it can lead to some throws that most even NFL quarterbacks are unwilling to pull off and just simply cannot because they don't have the arm strength. They don't have the athleticism. And then in terms of overall Utah, uh, state Utes, I think, um, you know, that there could be, um, you know, a few others. And I guess Utah and Utah State, um, you know, there will be a lot. When we're talking just about the Utes, though, um, I think their entire secondary, basically, from Jalen Johnson to Terrell Burgess, uh, Julian Blackman will all be top 100 picks. Um, and uh, Bradley and I will certainly be picked within the first couple rounds. Um, there's just a lot of really good players on that defense. And then obviously Utah State, Jordan Love is the true headliner there. What do you think about Tui Tungvaloa at Alabama? What's going to happen there? Well, he just posted a video yesterday on social media of him working out and kind of simulating a drop back and moving away from pressure, so to speak, kind of just showing his footwork. It looked really explosive. And it's funny that in, in the modern day, um, that you can post something like that and it can have a really seismic impact. And I think um, just that 10-second video alone probably boosted his stock because there was so much mystery about with him. Like today was supposed to be his pro day at Alabama, um, so we were going to see that, but we're, we're obviously not going to now. But just that video boosted his stock. I think um, he will go inside the top five. That The Miami Dolphins are sitting there at number five overall. Uh, and, and I don't think they're going to be able to just stay put and have Tua Tungvaloa fall to them. I think they will either have to trade up a few picks or we'll have some mystery team, maybe like the Las Vegas Raiders, um, even with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, um, at number 12 overall, moving up to get Tua Tungvaloa. There, there could be a team that we're not really even talking about beyond those clubs that could be interested. He's just too advanced of a quarterback prospect, and if he's healthy, I think in any other situation, he would be the number two overall pick, even ahead of Chase Young in this draft. So Joe Burrow just had a season for the ages. I can't imagine it could have gone any better, but college doesn't always translate to the pros. Not perfectly. So where is he going to go in this? What are NFL teams thinking about him? Well, he's still locked in to go number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And there's really not a lot to dislike about him. And being at the Senior Bowl and being at the Combine, the the two main events leading up to the draft, um, most of the conversations that I had with a lot of people down there, media, some team employees, um, was that he's a, a very clean prospect. The only two areas, if you do have to kind of write in some type of weakness, because he's not completely flawless, would be the fact that it's really only one year of this elite-level play. Uh, In 2018, toward the end of his season at LSU, Joe Burrow looked like he was maybe turning a corner, but certainly did not look like a a first-round quarterback. Um, And secondly, he doesn't have a huge arm. Uh, So when you're picking someone number one overall, especially a quarterback, 
you're liking to check off all the boxes. You're looking every year, the team's picking number one overall um, in history, like to have an Andrew Luck type of situation where size, arm strength, athleticism, smart, decision-making, accuracy. I think Joe Burrow checks off a lot of those boxes, but just the one year and not the great arm are really what I heard and kind of how I view him too, that, that kind of make him not be a flawless prospect, but I still think he's the best quarterback in this draft class. And when you factor in positional value, uh, that's why he's my number one overall player. I think maybe Chase Young overall is just a better football player at his respective position, but obviously the quarterback moves the needle a lot more, even than an edge rusher. So with the quarterback moving the needle, what do you think about Justin Herbert to the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, with Cam Newton just getting released about 10 minutes before uh, we started this interview, I think that would be a perfect fit for Cam Newton going to the Chargers if they decide not to sign Cam Newton or, or just can't get a deal done. I think that situation for Justin Herbert would be ideal because I really like Justin Herbert almost more than some of the other draft analysts. I think he got a little bit nitpicked um, in his senior season. His head coach, Mario Cristobal, did not really ask him to do that much. He's a former offensive lineman. They wanted to run the football. They had a very veteran-laden offensive line. But we've seen in his Oregon career that he can carry the load. He can be the focal point of an offense. And really, Justin Herbert can make throws that Tua Tungavailoa and even Joe Burrow can't make. His arm is that special. He's 6'6", great leadership, tons of experience, more than the two other quarterbacks. Um, So to go to the Chargers, they have Tyrod Taylor there. He wouldn't necessarily need to play week one. But if things are going a little haywire halfway through the season, I think he could take the reins middle of the year. Or maybe it could be a Patrick Mahomes-type situation where he waits his entire rookie season and then takes the reins in 2021. I think in the right situation, we could be talking about Justin Herbert as, as one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Because talk about checking all the boxes. Um, he really does it. Occasionally, you kind of wonder, oh, why did he not pull the trigger? Why did he check down? Or why did he miss that wide-open throw? But he very, very steady player. And the physical tools, all the leadership is certainly there. So I, I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert. And landing number six overall to the Chargers would make the most sense after them moving on from Phillip Rivers. Chris Trapasso joining us from CBS Sports. He covers the NFL draft. Do the Patriots like a young quarterback in this? Are they staying with Stidham, trying to give him another year to develop? Uh, What are they doing post-Brady there? Well, I've had this theory that Bill Belichick, I mean, we, we can't envision the Patriots without Tom Brady, but we need to start to. That the offense in general has been very dink and dunk. He's been throwing to running backs, tight ends, yards after the catch. Um, But Bill Belichick during his coaching career, and although he's had Tom Brady for the last 20 of those coaching seasons, um, he's always been reinventing himself. They were using two tight ends with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez before anyone was really doing that. Um, Wes Welker, they almost created that slot position or made it really trendy in the NFL. Then they brought in Randy Moss. Tom Brady started throwing it deep. I could see if Jameis Winston continues to just sit on the market and his value decreases, I could see Bill Belichick saying, okay, we're not going to obviously want 30 interceptions from him, but the value at this quarterback position for this young quarterback, he's only 25 years old, um, is just too good to pass up right now. However, like you mentioned, they did draft Jared Stidham last year. Um, They did like him in the preseason. He looked very good in those exhibition games. 
I could see them saying, all right, here's the heir apparent to Tom Brady, and we'll keep the offense similar to what it's been over the last two decades. But uh, in terms of the draft, if someone like a Justin Herbert or Jordan Love happened to fall to number 23 overall, I think Bill Belichick understands um, the positional value that he could get at that late in the first round, taking a quarterback. Um, So they're probably the team within round one, and this is uncharted waters for the Patriots, that really no one has any idea what they could do because quarterback has not been a question mark for this team for so long. So I'm kind of the only one out there thinking that they could go Jameis Winston. It would be a lot more of a boomer bust offense. But everyone that I've talked to thinks that right now Jared Stidham is the odds-on favorite to be the week one starter and for them to just start over with a young quarterback in New England. So we know about these four or five quarterbacks expected to go in the first round. Do you like anybody else that you got your eye on as far as quarterback that isn't expected to go in the first round? Uh, not really. I, that's kind of a boring answer, but there's been, like, in the 2018 draft class, Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, like, that group had five quarterbacks in round one, and I really liked that group. That was, like, the most hyped quarterback class in a very long time. Beyond the four at the top with Burrow, Tungavailoa, Herbert, and Jordan Love, um, it's really hard for me to even get excited about Jacob Eason. Uh, I think he could slip into the back few picks of round one because he has such a really big arm. And if he lands in the perfect situation where his offensive line is outstanding, I think he could be a good quarterback because he's actually pretty accurate despite having this gigantic arm. Most of those quarterbacks are, are kind of have – wayward accuracy he doesn't so he would probably be that guy for me um there's a lot of buzz about Jalen Hurts and what he did at Oklahoma coming from Alabama um playing in that air raid system that's really become very trendy and popular in the NFL um, I think he has a ways to go as a passer deciding where to go with the football reading defenses um certainly in the Big 12 he didn't have too much of a problem doing that against those defenses um so I there's not really a a a deep sleeper that I think could ultimately be a Dak Prescott or Tony Romo or a Tom Brady or anywhere really close to that. I think maybe Jacob Eason, who's probably going to go in the second round, has the best chance to be the, the finest value pick at the quarterback position in this draft. So I know it's a quarterback league, quarterback, 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 but the Tennessee Titans, they rode Derrick Henry a long way, a second-round pick. Is there a running back in this draft who could be a game-changer for a franchise? Yeah, definitely. Um, And to look at the running back position, you have to think about the positional value, that there's not a better example that why you shouldn't pick a running back in the first round than looking at what happened with Todd Gurley, that – The Rams drafted him inside the top 10. Yes, he had one or two really good seasons, but then they ultimately had to release him. They paid him a ton of money. They had to take a ton of uh, dead cap onto their roster, which they probably did not want to do. They're not in a great cap situation. Um, So to me, it's not just the J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, um, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, or Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. I like those running backs. They're probably going to be the first three selected. But the two guys, to me, the best value that I think could be franchise running backs, that teams will get just much better value, picking them later in the draft. A.J. Dillon from Boston College. You mentioned Derrick Henry. He's 6'3", 247, was just a freak at the combine. A.J. Dillon, 6'2", 
247. He's the size of a fullback. He ran 4.53. He had the longest broad jump, the longest vertical of any running back at the combine. So crazy explosiveness, built like a fire hydrant. I think he could be a Derrick Henry type running back. I mean, defenders really just bounce off him. Has some cutting ability, too, to make one or two defenders miss. Uh, Fourth or fifth round for him. Maybe he could sneak into the third round. I think that would be great value. And the last guy, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State, and more out your way, um, caught 77 passes for the Sun Devils the past two seasons, and it's important to have that receiving ability as a running back in today's NFL. I think he's extremely shifty, spin move, jump cut, great vision between the tackles. He's a little smaller, but he kind of hides behind his offensive line. He could go later than A.J. Dillon. Uh, Also had a good combine, but because he's smaller, I could see him fourth, fifth, sixth round, and I think we'll be talking about both of those running backs in a few seasons as the best value picks at the running back spot in the 2020 draft. How much does a college program's reputation matter when it comes to drafting? What I mean by that, you said Utah's older defensive backs could potentially be drafted, and we know that they've had a very good reputation for producing NFL picks out of that secondary. Oh, I think it's huge that you can hear a scout or a GM say, oh, we don't look at the schools. I mean, do I think that teams are are, are just – blindly picking players from Alabama because it's Alabama or in the secondary from Utah? No, but what you just said at the end of that, that the reputation, the coaching, uh, the type of athletes that these schools get in to their programs, the strength and conditioning programs at the schools, I think they do matter. And the fact that, like you mentioned, there have been tons of Utah defensive players, guys up front. Uh, I think Lucky Fotu is going to be picked somewhere in the middle of the draft as a big nose tackle that can also rush the passer a little bit. Um, I think it certainly helps players coming from Utah that they have that blue collar um, power mentality. When you're talking about Zach Moss, uh, I, I think just the fact that the coaching staff there has done such a good job preparing these players for the NFL. And by the way, it's I don't think it is a matter of could Terrell Burgess, Jalen Johnson, or Julian Blackman all get drafted? I definitely think they're going to be picked within the first three or four rounds of the draft. Blackman's versatility, safety cornerback. Burgess is such a, a valuable safety in that he can drop down, play in the slot, looks like a slot cornerback. And then Jalen Johnson, I have him on my big board at the end of the first round. I think he is a number one cornerback in the NFL and definitely what everything that has been done uh, at that program over the past decade at least certainly helps all of those prospects. They just look like they're NFL-ready, like most of the Utah Utes are once they get to the NFL. So, Chris, I'm curious uh, what NFL people think of BYU's roster, and obviously, uh, you know, Bushman and Kyrus Tong. Bushman's coming back at tight end. Kyrus Tong is going to return in the D-line. Those are a couple guys who might have been in the conversation. I don't know who else they'd be looking at. Maybe Tyson Williams. is How is he viewed? Well, I think uh, Tyson Williams probably uh, is the most highly sought after of the BYU prospects. Um I did mention or him to a few people down in Mobile that being at South Carolina flashed a little bit there, just never got the carries, and that's kind of led to him transferring. And you saw the same explosiveness at times. His 
ability to just accelerate out of his cuts and to have power through the tackles. Um, I could see him being selected, and the fact that he is an older prospect, but I think with running backs today, teams are like, look, we're going to draft you. You're probably going to only play on one contract here, but three or four years, that's where we can get the most contributions from you, the best contributions. Um, So he's the one that sticks out to me. Um, I could see him going in the sixth or the seventh round. It's a good running back class. It's not crazy deep. So after we get past a few of the guys that I already mentioned, once we're into that sixth and seventh round, I think teams will really be looking for diamonds in the rough um, to to give them really good value at the running back spot. And I think Tyson Williams, from what I've seen two years ago at South Carolina and then this past season at BYU – is an NFL player can be an NFL ball carrier, um, and you know as a second or a third running back. And with every team going running back by committee, I think that adds another uh, roster spot potentially for him, even if he's a, a late round pick. He's Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He covers the NFL draft. Get ready for the Skype draft. Forget the Vegas draft. It's the Skype draft <laughs> coming soon to a TV near you. Chris, thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you've missed in this show in one segment next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Two stories breaking this morning. One, the International Olympic Committee and... Japan have decided to push the 2020 Olympics back to the summer of 2021. They will be postponed for one year. Also, Cam Newton getting let go by the Carolina Panthers. He'll be a free agent as the club waves him. Of course, he's been battling multiple shoulder surgeries, various injuries over the last few years, but he did lead the Panthers to the Super Bowl. We'll see who he lands with. NBA icon Charles Barkley announced 10 days ago that he was being tested for the coronavirus after falling ill, does not have COVID-19. He announced that yesterday. And the New England Patriots released longtime kicker Stephen Gokowski, ending his tenure with the franchise after 14 seasons. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend... I had a speed bag when I was a kid. Did you know that? Did I ever tell you that? Jake, were you about to tell a story that wasn't about Gordon? I was, How dare you? I was about to get into what How happened over the weekend, you, and now all of a sudden we're into Gordon's speed bag you as a said kid. boxing isn't what it once was. But you said it wasn't about him. No. I want to know. It's not, hey, everybody, look at me. Some fact I want to match over the weekend. That may be the best story of the year right there. Right. Exactly. And, you, and you undersold it. Come on. Brand strong. I wouldn't have interrupted that. I'm Gordon Monson. <laughs> Didn't even get to the story. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. There is a transition period because Tom Brady doesn't necessarily play or hasn't necessarily played the way Bruce Arians likes to play. Although there's, of course, crossover in all offenses and crossover in the two uh, offenses, you know, where the Patriots have been and where Tampa or where Bruce Arians has been. There's Kurt Warner. 
Talking quarterbacks, how smoothly is it all going to come together in Tampa Bay? You could change everything. PK talked about this earlier. You could change everything to accommodate Brady, but there's a lot of guys on the offense who are back, and it was working. You know, the problem in Tampa Bay was all the turnovers. Jameis Winston threw 30 touchdown passes. Led the league in passing last year. Tampa Bay had 33 touchdown passes, which was third in the league. As Yach says, they led the league. So the positive plays are there to be made. If you get rid of the negative plays, uh, you know, you're in business. And when you look at the issues that they had turning the, turning the ball over, if Brady fixes those, and we were uh, talking with Jason Cole about this in the 7 o'clock hour, if Brady fixes those, the, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Giants, the Chargers, the Bengals, five worst teams in the league all had 30, uh, in terms of turnovers, all had 30 turnovers, 30 giveaways or more. The Bucks led the league at 41. Well, those five teams didn't do anything. The five teams that eliminated the turnovers, the Saints, the Packers, the Ravens, the Patriots, and the Chiefs, yeah, they were all in the postseason. So is Brady going to make that a playoff team? You would think so. They've still got skill players to make big plays. Brady has, uh, over the years, been able to make big plays. Even if he loses a little more to advancing age, seems to me they ought to be a playoff team there. That was kind of the, the takeaway with Jason Cole. Uh, now, whether they can get to the 10th win, the 11th win, the 12th win, whether they can start winning one, two, three, four playoff games, all of that remains to be seen. And health is such a big factor, you can barely predict that stuff. You know, the, the Chiefs are defending champs, but who's to say they're going to be healthy enough to pull it off again? You never know from year to year. But, man, their schedule. They got the, uh, they got the AFC West, so they're playing the Chiefs. They're playing the NFC North, so they've got the Packers and the Vikings. They, they got some marquee games. they got a tough schedule. Yes, they do, Dave. How about that? We also just talked draft with Chris DePrasso and uh, everything we thought about the, uh, the Utes and the Aggies, he pretty much, uh, he pretty much seconded that. I think that uh, he thought that that video of Tonga Vailoa is going to make a big difference as the NFL teams try to, and nobody's gauging his talent, I think everybody believes in that, but everybody's trying to gauge his health. Well, that's the key, obviously. I mean, you just spoke about health. Yeah. I mean, if this kid is healthy, then he oh, – well, he's going to go top, what, top five anyway, maybe? That's top ten for sure. But, you know, what are you getting health-wise? But, they, I mean, these NFL teams got so many doctors. They'll figure this thing out. And then you have to worry about re-injury, too, even if he is healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then we've got the uh, – so we talked draft with Jason Cole, and we talked to NFL with Jason Cole and Chris Trapasso both. Uh, so plenty of NFL talk this morning. The, um, the other thing is that uh, in the middle of the show that uh, Carolina cut Cam Newton. And so who thinks that, you know, they can get a year or two out of here, out of him – rejuvenate him at the end of his career. Uh, I remember when Kurt Warner went to your Arizona Cardinals for a third act, I didn't have much hopes. I thought, you know, the magic was certainly there with the Rams. It was the right team, the right quarterback, the right coaching staff, but it went so poorly with the Giants. And they, they got something out of him late in his career, and they got a Super Bowl run. So if, and it's a huge if, if he can get healthy, then Cam Newton is intriguing, but... As uh, Jason Cole was saying, man, five years, 
100 carries each. Nobody else has done that, and that's just a lot of hits. That's absorbing a lot of hits from a lot of big guys. I'm not, I'm not buying him long. I just, I'm not buying him long term. I guess you can get. Yeah, him but can you get him in a system where? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, but the league is so desperate for quarterbacks that yep. I mean, just the fact that Kurt Warner got that chance shows you how desperate they are. So he's going to get a sh- a chance and a shot and see what happens here. All right, the uh, other breaking news this morning, the Summer Olympics added to the list. Now, not canceled, postponed, they'll, they'll do it in 2021. But the IOC and Japan coming out together and making that joint announcement. But you add it to the list of NBA, March Madness, Major League Baseball. You add it to the list of Masters, Kentucky Derby, Olympics. And the thing is, it's a July event. Now, it's a July event contingent on other competition in April, May, and June. So maybe it's a little different, but uh, Mark Cuban had his quotes that he thought the NBA could be back and uh, could finish this season. So maybe when we get to late May or June and July, we'll have NBA basketball, no Olympics, but hopefully we won't see the other cancellations for the stuff looming out there in July. Well, if the NBA is back in May, and somebody said, you take it or not, I would sign off on it right now. That's still, depending on what time of May, obviously is six weeks to two months away. But I would take that. But, yeah, the cumulative effect, if you think about it, it gets a little bit weighing you down here. And particularly, you know, the NBA and the pros and the golf that you said – that stuff will come back, and the, the Roy McElroys of the world, they'll be competing for majors for years to come, right? And so we'll get that back. I don't think the world is ending here. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. So we'll get that back. The real tragedy is the colleges and high school seniors who don't get an opportunity to fulfill their seasons. I'm sitting here, and we're doing our social distancing, so I got ESPNU on, and I'm watching BYU play Virginia Tech right now in Maui and my gosh that was one of the best games they played and Virginia Tech was six and one at the time I don't think they had a great season I'd have to go back and double check but BYU was sure playing well and that's never coming back literally never coming back and man that is a stinker you know the pros even worst case scenario worst is don't have pro fill in the blank this season this calendar year, whatever that might be. But it'll return. It'll return in time. And so it'll be like for LeBron, watch out. Say worst case scenario, the NBA doesn't come back. Well, then he's rested his body two years because he didn't get the playoffs last year. He's, a, he's already a, a beast and incredible at 35. What's he going to be next year? You know what I mean? So we'll get that opportunity to see these guys do their thing. Same thing with the Jazz guys. It's like years ago, Grant Hill had injuries, and he was able to rehab and got healthy. So he played maybe a little bit longer than he did than he would have if he wouldn't have had those injuries and had all those miles on the body. And so maybe that's the thing for the NBA, too, and these guys, and all the professional sports, too. Even your, 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 your Beckerman with 
soccer and take a year off can maybe rejuvenate them in a little bit. But the colleges, they, they, A, they don't need renewed rejuvenation because they're young, and B, it's not coming back either way no matter what happens. And looking at BYU right now, man, they're just kicking butt over Virginia Tech. And I'm going to say it right here. This team was a Final Four team, Dave. There you go. Save that for earlier in the show. It's a little late to throw that out. Don't you think you're a trained professional? 940? <laughs> Come on now, PK. That Virginia Tech game, you're right, because Virginia Tech finished 16 and 16. Yeah, so but it 940... It doesn't look stop it. It doesn't look yeah. like a big win now, but at the time they started six and zero. They won at Clemson. They beat third ranked Michigan State going into that tournament. So they started six and zero. They were six and one with a loss to Dayton, who we know had a good season, and then BYU crushed them. Uh, but it all unraveled at the end. They were three and twelve in the last fifteen games. So stopped following them, to be honest with you. I don't know why it all fell apart, but it all fell good. apart. But, but they were good early. Nevertheless, the Cougars were good. Yep. And you're right. It's yeah. not it's and not so back. it's nine forty now, but that take, let me just tell you, six forty comes real early. Does it not? It does. It does. It comes real early. All right, uh, other stuff we uh, talked about yeah, today. exactly. With the Olympics getting shut down and all the NFL draft news, uh, Charles Barkley announced that although he's tested, test came back negative, he's been sick, but uh, not COVID-19. Most of the people who test are still testing negative. Uh, the numbers of people testing positive are going up, but it, Charles Barkley doesn't have it, so there's that. It's a little... A little good news, I guess. Uh, we are seeing the world of sports hit. There have been some announcements out there, college basketball players uh, from the 90s. We've seen a couple of them pass away. So it's going to have an impact on the world of sports going forward. There's, there's no doubt about it. Aside from, obviously, the games that are being postponed or canceled, uh, it's going to impact the people as we go forward here as well. But not Barkley. All right, anything else we touched on? Oh, happy birthday to Peyton Manning, 44. You're appalled. You're outraged. I don't see how he's not a top-five quarterback in the history of the uh, uh, NFL. I really don't, man. And I've got no stake in Peyton Manning. I mean, I didn't root for Tennessee growing up and, and – not a Colts fan, not a Bron- oh, I'm not really an, an NFL fan of any team. So it's not like I have – he didn't play in a Pac-10. So it's not like I have this personal bias that I want to push it. But when you look at his numbers, and I get the league has changed and the rules and blah, 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 blah. But they've changed for everybody, and very few players have his numbers. And he, in my mind, what I wouldn't give for one more line of scrimmage screaming Omaha. <laughs> Omaha! Omaha! <laughs> when did he get up at that press conference and just make fun about all the things that it, it meant and what it meant to different people and how he went on and on until it literally meant nothing? That was hilarious. Why more athletes don't do that with their press conferences? They reveal they don't rip any teammates. They don't reveal anything about the, uh, um, the you know, strategy. They're not giving anything away. But it entertains people. At the end of the day, it's their livelihood, but it's entertainment to most of us. He entertained people. is perfect. He totally hit the sweet spot. I'm surprised more people don't copy that. It's supposed to be a copycat league. Well, 
I think Peyton Manning was an entertainer. You know, he took the drama stuff in high school and all that, and that's why he was so good at all the commercials and whatnot. So, yeah, he he got the value of what it was all about in terms of being entertainment. And for him, it was a profession, and obviously he took it very seriously. But he also got the value of entertainment. And maybe tomorrow we can put out there, since it's now not 940, it's probably 944, what city would you call out when you were audibleizing at the line of scrimmage? What would be your city of choice? For him, it was Omaha. Okay, we can throw that out there. We'll see. We'll see what people have to say about that. All right, that's some of the stuff we've been talking about. Peyton Manning. Escondido! Escondido! (laughs) Peyton Manning celebrating his 44th birthday. (laughs) This city always cracked me up. Hurricane. Hurricane. Paris! Paris, not the Paris in France. I know. <laughs> Paris in L.A. Oh, Paris in L.A., okay. Yeah, they got some, like, train museum or car museum out there or something. And we were out there once when I was a little kid at Paris, P-E-R-R-I-S. And it's, uh, it's like, east of Riverside or something. Who goes east yeah, of yeah, Riverside, yeah, 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 PK? I mean, you, you are out there when you're in Paris. Yeah, yeah. At least you were back in the day. I don't know now. Maybe the burbs have sprawled. Well, uh, yeah. On the way to uh, Arizona or Palm Springs, I think you can pass it. Yeah. I think I would probably go, Rolling Hills Estates! Rolling Hills Estates! <laughs> oh, man. You know, that's, that's where, like, every college football team could just go nuts with some small town. Dell! Dell! <laughs> Dell's like one off-ramp with one gas station on, on the way to Nevada. No. What? No, you know what you do, Dave? What do you do? You pick out your most prized recruit and you shout out his hometown. Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. Of course, since some kid going to high school in Provo and you could have the UTL in Provo, that would be weird. You know, trying to get somebody out of Timview or something. Is Timview in the city limits, in the Provo city limits? The Provo-Orem line, I've never been able to figure it out. Timview is in the heart of Provo. It is, okay. Yes. All right. I thought so. But it's up on that east bench. Yeah. You know how that line, you, do, you, do you know right where Orem turns I, into Provo at all yes. times? No, no. On the Trust diagonal. me. I grew totally up, confuses I me. I grew up in Orem. Trust me. This is a debate I've had with my wife, with every one of my in-laws. I am 27 going on 28 years in, not for a million bucks. We'll talk about it off air. Yeah. I'll explain exactly where it is. I had to interview Robbie Bosco at his house once, and the address has changed. We crossed over the line, mm-hmm. and we were lost, so we crossed over it more than once. And I got in front of his house. He goes, you're a little late. And I said, I have no idea where I am. And he just started laughing because he knew exactly what the problem was. Yeah. I don't think we're the only people who ever showed up late at the I'll Bosco's. explain the delineation between the two cities. Woo! Did you hear that? That was like an $18 word right there, PK. Delineation. When you grew up there, you kind of figure it out. Delineation. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, yeah, del- del- delineation. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that uh, two things there. I cross the line all the time. And secondly, it's not about Timpview anymore. It's Orm, Orm. You got to go where the talent is. Ah, the Tigers. All right, 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. 
This still feels strange, you Chasta trailer tweets in. Once again, at P.K. Kinahan used a nevertheless, where an irregardless would have slid in as smooth as butter. I am struggling to adapt. P.K., you tweeted back on it. We'll work on it heretofore, which got a, whoa, P.K. responded to my tweet. I'm in denial, it can't be. Love you, man. Keep up the good work. We shall keep up the good work. The good work will continue. The good work cannot be stopped. Clint just tweeted back at you, uh, don't get excited. That wasn't PK. It was his personal assistant. Did you have your people handling that? Well, Yach has access, and he, he actually tweets to my account way more than I do. So you have to ask him. I did not tweet that. So It was PK. It was actually PK doing, doing his own work. Uh, question here. The uh, Tokyo Olympics have been postponed until 2021. How disappointed are you at you Deplorable tweeting back to us, yawn with three A's. Not worked up about it at all. Spider Time says, I mean, it's just the Olympics. Do people still watch that? I I continue to amaze myself, Dave. <laughs> How so? How so, great one. <laughs> because for years, I said the Olympics was the most overblown sporting event that we have. And you would always say, well, it, gets, it just rocks the TV ratings here. And TV ratings are your world. I understand that. And it would be mine if I was in that business full time. I just dip in and out and do great television every Sunday night. Uh, so I don't live and die by it because I know the fact, just the fact that I'm on indicates great ratings. So I don't have to look at why I don't need to know that the sun rises in the east. I already know it. So that's the way I view my segment on Sunday nights. I know it's going to get great ratings. It's just a fact. But I've always thought that folks weren't that interested in the Olympics. And now we're getting all this response. Yawn with three A's. I mean, he didn't just stop at two. He went to three A's. It wasn't. That would be like a fantasy report card for me. Three A's. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't yawn. It was yawn. All right, we'll give the last word to James. He tweets at us. My birthday boy Peyton Manning call would be Mexican hat. Mexican hat. <laughs> That's good. All right, DJ and PK, uh, hit us up with your uh, your small town, your beach community, your uh, desert isle, whatever it is. We'll work on that. We'll have some fun with that tomorrow. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tony and Austin are coming up next.